Well, good morning. It's good to be with you and good to be with you who are here and also with those of you who are joining us online. For those who don't know me, I'm Glenda and I'm part of the ministry team here at New Penn. Now, there's many, many things that I could share with you about our senior pastor, Paul. And, you know... Brisbane and Melbourne play on Thursday, actually, so one of us won't be here on Sunday, probably, (laughs) next Sunday. However, um, I have thought of some of the things that I could share with you about about Paul, and I know you'd be interested in them, but um, I've decided to just take the higher ground. (laughs) Okay. When I was preparing this message, I came across a website that lists the best church bulletin bloopers. Here's just a few of them. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. (laughs) Weight Watchers will meet at 7pm. Please use the large double door at the side entrance. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October the 24th. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. (laughs) Ladies, don't forget the garage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget to bring your husbands. (laughs) Words like those are good fun. But you know, words are powerful. And they can be misleading and they can be destructive. We only have to look at all the false information on the internet about COVID to know what an impact false words can have. And today as we begin our series in 1 Timothy, we're going to look at the impact of false teaching and false beliefs. To start us off, let's have a look at this Uh, Bible project video that I think gives us a good introduction to our message today. First letter to Timothy. Paul spent many years traveling about and starting new churches, and he developed a large team of co-workers in this mission. Timothy was one of these. Paul was once in the city of Lystra, and he met Timothy's faithful mother and grandmother, and he was impressed by Timothy's passion and devotion to Jesus. And so Paul mentored him for many years and eventually started sending him on missions to different churches. And so when Paul got word about a group of leaders who infiltrated the influential church in Ephesus, they were spreading incorrect views about Jesus and what it means to follow him, he sent Timothy to confront these leaders and restore order to this church. So after Timothy arrived there, Paul sent this letter to follow up and instruct him on how to fulfill this mission. The letter has a really cool design. There's an opening and closing commission to Timothy to go confront these leaders and their bad theology. And then these surround two large central sections that are full of really practical instruction about the problems that Timothy faced in the Ephesian church. And then finally, all these sections are linked together or concluded by a series of three poems that each exalt the risen Jesus as the king of the world. Let's dive in. You'll see how it works. Paul opens by recalling how he sent Timothy to Ephesus to confront these leaders who were spreading their strange teaching. And he describes how these guys are obsessed with speculating about the Torah, specifically the early stories and genealogies in the book of Genesis. And as we'll see, they had developed all kinds of weird teachings about food and marriage and sex that weren't consistent with the teachings 
apostles. He even named some of these people, Alexander and Hymenaeus, and he describes how their teaching has divided the church, it's generated controversy. And Paul says, this is actually the first clear sign that their teaching is distorted. When genuine Christian teaching is done, it's faithful to the way of Jesus, and it results in love and genuine faith. And he says the purpose of the Torah anyway isn't to fuel speculation. Rather, its purpose is to expose the truth about the human condition, as it did for Paul. Correct teaching about the Torah will lead people to see the grace of God revealed in the Messiah who came to save sinful, broken people. And so... Okay. So that's a good introduction, I think, to 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul had spent more than three years with the Ephesian church, and he'd actually invested a lot of time and effort into making sure that they received the right teaching. And yet, as we saw in that video, false, false teachers have risen up in the church, and Paul writes this letter to Timothy and to the Ephesian church as well. So starting in... Uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We don't know an awful lot about what these false teachers were saying, but Paul tells us that their teaching was false and that they were focused on myths and genealogies. Now, genealogies are like family trees, and you've probably come across these uh, in the Old Testament, uh, which is what's being referred to here. And then Paul goes on to say that false teaching and wrong focus leads to nothing but disagreements and distraction from what God wants us to know and to focus on. And God's work is all about reaching those who haven't yet discovered a life-changing relationship with Jesus. God's work also includes us, his disciples, growing in our relationship with him and living more like him. And Paul knew all of life hinges on the truth of Jesus. And any distortion of that truth leads to false thinking and false living. You know, what we believe matters. And I know we're under so much pressure these days just to tweak what it says in the Bible to fit in with what society believes. But Paul wrote a second letter to Timothy, and in that he says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything in the Bible is the unfailing, authoritative word of God. And if we start changing things, or if we start 
leaving things out of the Bible. What we're doing is we're actually changing the essence of who God is and what he says is true. Paul also tells us why biblical truth is important when he says the goal of this command is love. This command he's talking about here is the one that is given Timothy to stop those who are teaching false doctrine. And the point here is that biblical truth empowers us to love. Just as Jesus taught those two great commandments are to love God with all we are and to love others as we love ourselves, Paul urges love to be the central focus of our church life. And he tells us that this love comes from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. And, you know, I reckon that's a a good checklist for us to see how we're going in loving the way that God wants us to. So when it talks about the heart in the Bible, it's talking about who we are on the inside. It's talking about our mind and our emotions and our will. And a pure heart describes a heart that's being continually cleansed and transformed through our faith and obedience to Jesus and in what he says. And this love comes from a good conscience. It's doing what's right and wrong according to what God says is right and wrong. And God's kind of love comes from a sincere faith. And this is a personal and an active belief and trust in God and the gospel. It's actually a faith that we live out every day. And God demonstrated his own incredible love by sending his son, Jesus. In Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we see real love in action. And when we trust what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, this belief empowers us to love others the way that God loves us. So there's actually a direct connection between our belief in what the Bible says and our capacity to truly love those around us. You are such a loving family. You really are. You reach out to those who don't yet know Jesus You love and you care for each other. And this is what biblical truth empowers us to do. Biblical truth also focuses us on Jesus. If you're wondering how we measure what is and what isn't true biblical teaching, go to the gospel of Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, we read the good news about Jesus, about who he is and what he's accomplished for us. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, the gospel ought to be the criteria for evaluating every belief that we have. New Pen has always been, still is, and I pray it always will be, a church that focuses on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I pray we'll continue to be a church who wants to do all they can to share this good news with others. You've probably heard people say, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're a good person. But what we believe is important because it impacts how we view the world, which ultimately impacts how we live. What we believe about God impacts how we view the world. And if we believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, then we look at the circumstances of life differently than if we believe he's limited in some way. If we believe in a God who's intimately involved in our lives, we think and act differently than if we believe he's simply out there somewhere and not interested and involved with us. What we believe about Jesus is important. Was he just man? Was he just God? Or was he both? Did he take his sins upon our sins upon himself and put them to death when he died on the cross? Did he rise from the dead 3 days later? to show that he defeated sin and death. How we answer these questions not only impacts our understanding of who Jesus is, but also whether we're saved, whether we try our best to live as Jesus lived, and whether we're assured of eternal life. Now, I have a question for you that I guarantee you have never been asked before. Are you a tumbleweed or a gum tree? In case you don't know what a tumbleweed is, they're those things you often see in Western movies tumbling across the desert. So I put a Western picture up so you'd know what it was. And tumbleweeds are easily uprooted when the wind blows, because they have a a weak root structure. And they blow wherever the wind pushes them without direction or stability. But if we compare a tumbleweed with a gum tree, we see the gum tree puts down lots of roots that go really deep. And this anchors the tree more firmly and gives it stability and strength. So I'm going to ask that question again. Is your spiritual life more like a tumbleweed or a gum tree? Is your relationship with Jesus and your Bible knowledge, are those roots deep? Or is your relationship with Jesus and your Bible knowledge shallow like a tumbleweed? If you're like a gum tree with deep roots, you will find yourself standing firm when false teaching comes. So, how do we grow our spiritual roots? It can be easy to rely on the pastors and this once-a-week message that we hear on a Sunday for our spiritual growth. 
when in reality it is each of our responsibility for the growth of our own spiritual roots. Let me give you some ways that we can do that. Firstly, engaging in spiritual practices to nurture our relationship with God. These are things like prayer, Bible study, spending time with God, serving and sharing our faith. We also, every one of us, need Christian community. And there's something really special when we come together in person to worship God and connect with him as we hear and learn the truth from the Bible. And so for those joining us online today, as Paul said earlier, we'd love you to join us tonight at our five o'clock service. And if you do decide to come along, just look for the blue shade sails and there'll be someone there to say hello and direct you to where the service is. And you know, it's in these church communities we can develop close Christian relationships. The kind of relationships that happen in our life groups and ministry groups, or really in any Christian group that we're connected with. The more we are involved in Christian community, the deeper our roots will go as we learn and serve together. We need to be spending time in the Bible on our own as well as with others. Studying the Bible with others enables us to ask questions, to hear others' thoughts and to discover together what God is actually saying in his word. I also encourage each of us to have at least a couple of trustworthy Bible commentaries that will help us learn what the Bible is saying. Now, my kids can tell you that I can be quite gullible with certain things. In fact, they love setting me up and showing me things they think I'll believe are true when they're really not. Let me give you a couple of examples on the screen. Now, come on. If you were shown those pictures, you'd believe they were true, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You'd think they were real. Okay. Maybe you're not as gullible as me, but we can all be taken in by false teaching or have our focus taken away by things other than Jesus. So another thing, it's important we have mature spiritual mentors in our lives. People who can help us discern whether the Christian books we're reading or the sermons or the podcasts we're listening to are teaching biblical truth. I was blessed to have the most wonderful spiritual mum for 40 years. Lorna was part of our New Penn church family and I still miss her heaps. Now, Lorna wasn't a great biblical scholar and she didn't know everything that was in the Bible but you could see Jesus in who she was and the way that she lived. And she had the deepest desire to, to know Jesus more and to know his word more. That's the sort of mentor that we all need. 
If you'd like help in finding a life group or a mentor or reliable Bible commentaries, please have a chat with me after the service. Come and give me your name and we'd be so happy to, to help you in this journey of growing those deep spiritual roots. I pray for all of us that we'll invite the Holy Spirit within us to teach us and remind us of God's teaching, as Jesus promised that he would. And as we put down deep roots of love and biblical truth, what will happen is we will grow stronger in Christ as individuals and as a church. We'll commit more and more to each other. We'll commit to reaching out to others. And we'll commit to prayer and to serving where God leads us. And as we do this, I believe that God will use us as his church in amazing ways for him and for his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father God, how wonderful you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your spirit who lives within each one of us and leads us into knowing your truth. Thank you for your word where we not only find how we're to love and how we're to live, but where we also find you. Please help us to know you more, to know your truth and to live it each day. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.